normalize the conversation that it's okay to have a family. Absolutely. You know, that it is okay to be a human being within our industry. And if you really look at what we do, we're not selling cars where people come back for a warranty claim. We live in people's families. We become part of their families. So why aren't we able to feel comfortable about having our own? Welcome to the Student Housing Insight Podcast, where we are putting you in touch with the people who bring student housing to life. I'm your host, Wesley Dees, and joining me today is Greta Dare. Hello. How are you? I am fantastic. How are you? I'm doing good. January has gone by really, really quick. And oh my God, right? It's weird. Yeah. I mean, we're going to be talking about Super Bowl here in a couple of weeks. So, Rihanna. Uh, you know, I think if we go back in history over the past five years of this podcast, I feel like at the end of January, we always start talking about the, the halftime show and what's, just thought about what's that. ahead. Because we talked about the whole Eminem, Dre, all of that last year. And so I, I'm not a huge fan of a lot of pop culture stars or whatever you want to call it. But Rihanna is like legit. Like that's somebody that that's a concert I would go to. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, there's a lot of music I love. I still wouldn't go to a concert. Oh, for sure. But I'm just like I'm not a concert person. But Rihanna, all day, every day. I'm not a big concert person either. What does that say about us? I don't know. I'm a home person. I just don't like huge crowds. But we already know this about me. Half the, we were talked about the whole first year that we were talking about when we did the podcast. Remember, I just like kept refusing to go to conferences. And you were like, oh, yeah, I went to a conference and these people were asking about me. I'm like, just tell them I don't exist. I'm not real. I'm a figment of your imagination. This voice is AI. Don't you remember? <laughs> you already know. <laughs> I remember you saying that about conferences and yeah, I mean, there was a time I, it, it's just different after 2020, right? And the pandemic, I, yeah. I, I think being around crowds, it's just it's just different. So, but yeah, I would totally go to a Rihanna concert. So anybody that's got tickets, yeah, let me know. <laughs> like I would, I would just request for somebody to just share a Super Bowl ticket. Like, like that's just not expensive. I'll just oh, like, I wasn't even talking about. I mean, Super Bowl ticket. Definitely. Oh, to a Rihanna concert. You're right. I was talking so about I'm a Rihanna concert. Yeah, fair. Like all this craziness with Taylor Swift. Like, I, don't get me wrong. I like Taylor. You know, I like Taylor Swift. I'm not going to deal with that crowd. Like, no. But I would for Rihanna. I don't know what that says about me. But anyway. No, same. And that's the thing. Like I said, Lavender Hayes music video dropped last night. I watched as soon as I woke up this morning. But. There, I would absolutely, I don't know why, like, we're really, like, hone it. But we, again, we did the same thing last year for the Super Bowl. We, you know, we had a whole conversation about it. I'm not ashamed. This is true commentary right now. But 100%, I would go and I would spend good money, good money on, like, some some serious front row as close as I could get to see Rihanna, like... <laughs> with my own eyes and not on a screen. That is, that is how serious. And I wouldn't even care. I'd be like, there's lots of people here. It's loud. It's, I'd be like, that's fine. Yeah. So for all of those who tuned in to hear about student housing, um, <laughs> and not random sorry, commentary. <laughs> sorry. You had to listen to the last five minutes, but anyway, <laughs> but I'm no, I, it. <laughs> right. but no, it, it is flying by and, um, uh, glad to hear, 
everybody coming back from the break and into the new year, hitting the ground running. I think a lot of folks are in this kind of after holiday coma <laughs> that is, uh, I think it's finally, if the weather could get a little bit better, I think everybody would start to come out of it. But it's been amazing. Like the past, some of the properties I've been involved with, like leasing is picked up for anyone. I feel like if well, in immediate move-ins, I don't know if you're hearing this from anybody, but we've had a ton of immediate move-ins and I don't understand why. Like it used to happen late December um, yeah. or mid-December and first of January. But I mean, literally yesterday and we're recording this on January 27th, two people just walked in. Hey, I got to find something like yesterday. And fortunately we, you know, we had something to accommodate them with, but yeah, I just, I've never really experienced that in late January. This whole leasing season has been something else. And it's funny because one of the things that I was thinking about is when we did the panel at Interface, not last year, I think it was the year before with Julie and Casey. And I think Casey was the moderator. And one of the questions that was posed to our panel was about whether or not we thought that the conditions, if leasing was or essentially going to change and alter after 2020. And everybody, basically everyone on the panel agreed that it was, something was going to reset. And I honestly don't think any of us, even though we thought that, you know, we all thought that the leasing season was going to get earlier. We all thought that online leasing and online touring, that that really wasn't going to go anywhere, that it was really going to kind of be an altered mindset, you know, set that it stuck with a lot of people. Nobody could have projected that whatever is going on this year was going to happen the way that it has. And I think more than anything, I'm curious to see, and I know that's not, the, none of this is the topic of this podcast, but I, you know, I'm not mad at it, but I'm really curious to see what this means for next year. And yeah. Cause it's, this is just crazy. It's interesting. Well, and yeah, you and I've had some conversations. It's, it's going to be, there's definitely some pivots that are happening. We'll talk about it here for just a little bit, but you know, international students came back in a big way this past year, this past fall, they made up about half of what was lost going into fall of 2020. And so that's fantastic. Here's the problem. And it's like, I've been saying, we've got, our flagship universities at each state have upped the number of in-state students they've brought in because they were losing revenue with international students. And now <laughs> they're in a situation where that cohort hasn't moved through and you know they're not going to send these folks home. They're also not going to reduce their their in-state tuition because that doesn't make a lot of politicians happy. And so uh, there's a big number of international students that are going to be going into the tier two, tier three schools this coming year. It's going to be interesting to see how that ends up impacting things as well. But anyway, this actually isn't an episode on leasing, but but no, what, what we are talking about on this episode is actually employee recruitment, employee retention, benefits, all those things. You know, what... I love about uh, doing shop talk. And for those that don't know anything about shop talk, that's a monthly webinar that we host for the industry. We'll talk a little bit more about that, but 
it gives us some really good content and so <laughs> that that we can replay for the for the podcast. So that's what we're doing today. We had back in November, we had a panel discussing this that actually had two recruiters from outside of the industry, one recruiter from inside the industry. Industry is not the right word. We had two recruiters that did not work for an operating company, and we had one that did work for an operating company. The one that does is that is with inside the the operating companies is Nick Morrison with Cardinal Group. I know a lot of our audience knows Nick, and he was fantastic in this in this panel discussion. And then the other two, uh, Nancy Giles with AAP advisors and stephanie nolan with sbc professional search if you've been in student housing for any length of time you've heard of these names right because they're yeah especially if if you're good talent you've you know you've definitely heard from these names so um, from them pause write the names down if you can not if you're driving remember them come back to it later look them up on linkedin get connected (laughs) i've known nancy and stephanie certainly you know most of my career and it's always neat to follow up with them and say hey what are you hearing about you know why people are not accepting jobs or or what is it that they're not getting what is it that they're running away from what is it that they're they're trying to run to and so those have always been interesting conversations so when i met with the leadership committee uh, september october i guess it was and they said look here's one thing that we're dealing with is is recruiting you know a lot of it's obviously due to the great resonation that's happened through the pandemic some of it has a lot to do with the consolidation that we're seeing, you know, within our industry. And then there's also, I think, prop tech plays a big part in it as well. Then we could talk a little bit more about that. But this was a great conversation. I don't know. Uh, did you have any thoughts or takeaways you want to make sure that the folks tune in for? No, I, I completely agree. You know that this was one of my absolutely favorite shop talks. And I think that one of the key reasons why is that I think that this one saw the comment section be the most active that I've ever seen it. And it was, there were a lot of... It was. Right? There were so many people that were that were actively commenting and giving feedback. And I loved that. And it's we need everybody needed that obviously we had wildly resourceful people with the recruiters that we have all people that i respect greatly that i loved having on this and getting their feedback and hearing the insightful nature of everything they had to offer and then also getting all of that feedback in the comment section was just incredible and so the interactivity of all of it was i just loved it this one ran over i obviously stayed because it was such it was just it was so full of great information Information. And I feel like this one just truly spoke for itself with a lot of the stuff that came up. And it was amazing. And I loved hearing a lot of that feedback from the people who were tuned in for Shop Talk. Yeah, the chat lit up for two kind of main subtopics. One was recruiting maintenance staff. Yep. Uh, you know, trained, knowledgeable maintenance staff. And then the other end was on benefits and specifically benefits around childcare, parental leave, those kind of things. Anyway, we'll talk about, we'll expand a little bit with that in the outro if you've got time for it. But for those that have tuned in for this, let's, uh, let's go ahead and play this. 
Well, guys, I'm excited about this next panel. The leadership committee and myself sat down a couple of months ago to talk about some topics. And one thing that came up was what is going on with being able to recruit. The great resignation has happened. We've also got a lot of consolidation that's happening. And that is just, it's, it's specifically in the student housing industry, that's causing a lot of, a lot of issues with bonding folks. So I wanted to bring a couple of folks on that work in that every day. They're all recruiters, uh, a couple that are external, a couple that is internal. But really quick, I'll let you guys go ahead and introduce yourselves. Uh, sure, I'll start. My name is Nick Morris, and I'm the uh, Director of Talent Acquisition here with Cardinal Group Companies. Hi, I'm Nancy Giles. I am the owner of AAP Advisors, Executive Search, <laughs> recruiting specifically in the real estate. Hi, guys. I am Stephanie Nolan. I am the owner and founder of SBC Professional Search. I have been recruiting for about 23 years and 13 of those years in student housing. Oh, fantastic. Well, you guys definitely, definitely know the landscape. I've spoke with all of you guys over the past, certainly over the past decade <laughs> when it came to finding folks in this industry and, and all of you have done a, a fantastic job with it. But let's talk about this great resonation that's happened. I may have said great recession earlier, but I meant to say great resonation. <laughs> it's just, it's strange to me how I, I could see how things were happening in 2020 and 2021, but now we're getting a little bit past the pandemic and it's not getting any better. And one way I know that is I look at this chart that came out from the Bureau of Labor Statistics. And I think a new one just came out yesterday. They're currently at 15.9% of the folks that were surveyed it's the share of unemployed Americans who voluntarily left their jobs. And I just thought that number was pretty crazy. And then we've also got headlines like this. I mean, this was just back in July. Great resignation shows no signs of slowing down. 40% of U.S. workers are considering quitting their jobs. Here's why they're going. So really, when you look at just the past three years, go back to 2019, that landscape seems to have really changed. So I wanted to find out you know, from you guys – Give some insight into that, some technical details into that, if you would, on what's different from 2019 versus today. Sure, Wes. Well, you know, when you think about it, the industry as a whole has been on a lightning trajectory with change, right? I mean, you know, the development of ops tech really coming into play, and then you're looking at more diversified markets. Then you're also looking into just the sheer growth that's happened in the, the student space. I think what happened was when we started seeing a turn in expectations with the consolidation, which I think Jamie had mentioned earlier, you had a lot of folks who were really ready to start asking larger questions about their career within the space, right? So if you were to flash back 15 years ago, there we are doing paper leases, right? Yeah, tri filling it out in triplicate. Whereas today, you know, through OpsTech, those uh, admin heavy institutional knowledge roles are not there quite as much as they had been before. So, you know, when you look at the overall trajectory within multifamily housing, when it comes to folks who are, are seeing a brighter and broader future, I don't think we've done as good of a story as uh, telling what that can be through vertical integration or new services that are coming out. So I think what ended up happening was folks who were going to choose to stay in the industry were probably looking for more permanency around their roles, maybe moving to uh, other companies, but also chasing the almighty dollar. We are coming up on what does look like it's going to be a, a uh, recession, right? So people are trying to insulate themselves a little bit more. But I think trending forward, what we're seeing with the emerging workforce is a step away from sort of that 
culture and compensation sort of uh, uh, conversation, right, where those were the two most important things. Um, I, I think culture absolutely still lives on, but it's changed a little bit. So if we're looking deeper into the expectations that we're seeing now from, uh, from applicants specifically to Cardinal, you know, it's really around what job permanency will look like. Can they be upskilled in their roles? Can they be taught something new? Do they have uh, potential to move either vertically or horizontally within an organization? They're looking much more closely at where the organization is going, where the ethos is. And of course, do they have representation? That's probably going to be the biggest theme of my world in particular. Uh, if we look at sort of the changing landscape of the demographics within communities as they exist today and then going into tomorrow, we have to be a little bit more sensitive to being representative of those audiences that are coming in and being responsive to it, essentially speaking the language. So I think, you know, if we're looking back just three years, the conversation shifted, you know, again, around uh, compensation and culture. I'd also argue there's a lot to be said about relocation, whether or not somebody has a tolerance to be uh, working remotely or whether they're uh, open to uh, moving markets to be able to further their career. But I'm very interested to see what happens over the next five years as the, uh, the industry continues to mature could pipe in on this a little bit because I had an interesting conversation this morning with an individual that... Be careful there, Nancy. Don't give any names out. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> that actually grew up, as so many student housing professionals do, grew up in the industry, started as a CA, etc. Yeah. Worked the last probably five or six years as a property manager on a property. Same market, has never been outside of that market. And I noticed that he just made a move recently completely out of student housing. So I gave him a call to find out why he decided to make that decision. And the conversation was that off-campus climate, from his perspective, has changed significantly over the last few years. All the craziness around COVID has had a hugely difficult time finding solid employees especially maintenance, which, you know, I think we're going to touch on later in the conversation. Again, just like what we were talking about, a trend towards everyone wants to work remotely. And as the property manager, then he was filling in on so many different roles. There just was not that work-life balance that he likes to keep anymore. He was having to do three different jobs. Lastly, he said that he just really wanted to feel more purpose-driven or have a more purpose-driven role to make, you know, more of an impact. He's staying in the student space, but, you know, he's not as a property manager anymore. He's working gotcha. on the university side. So I thought those were interesting because they really kind of mirrored everything that we are assuming is happening in the industry, right? Yeah. Interesting. We get to the young campus side because it's been an exodus from, from that side as well. Yeah. Stephanie, how about you? What what are you doing different on a day-to-day -day basis versus three years ago? You know, I, I definitely agree with everything that uh, Nick and, and Nancy touched on. Ability to work remotely or a hybrid work environment, I hear 99% of the time. But something else, I think, especially because of COVID, quarantine, childcare, things like that, benefits have become more and more important to a lot of people as well. I think across the board, most companies, you know, had been offering sort of more or less the same type of health plans. But I think people are really looking at those much more closely now, the cost, 
any perks that come with those, you know, the parental leave, you know, hey, my child's daycare has been closed for six months. What do I do now? I have to quit my job. Or, you know, my, my kid has had a fever for three weeks and I can't send him to school. What do I do? The benefits, parental leave packages, people have been examining a little bit more closely as well. Yeah. It's funny because I've just launched a poll a little bit ago and we've got some people that have answered and all of us talked about this in in our pre-meeting that some folks from our leadership committee were saying, you know, we basically survey the, you know, our employees every single year and compensation has always been one of those top three reasons they're thinking about making a change or that they came to that particular company, but it's never been number one. And now they're seeing it as number one. And same thing here in our poll, compensation's coming in at 53%. So that's, uh, that's interesting. You guys also recruit for the, um, for the conventional sector as well. So are you seeing any differences between conventional and student housing? And if so, what is it? I work a lot on the conventional side as well as working a ton on the student side. And the differences that I typically see are, I think it's easier to recruit from the conventional side, you're working with an older demographic. I think there's a much larger pool of candidates that you can go after when you're recruiting for the conventional side. If I run into any problems at all, it is usually the fact that if a client is requiring an individual to have a degree, that eliminates a lot of people right off the top. When you think about it years ago, when people got into property management, they didn't go into college saying, hey, I, you know, I, I want to get a degree in property management. They didn't exist. People that have 25, 30 years of experience on the property management side, they fell into it somehow. And a lot of them don't have a four-year college degree and have never felt the need to go back and get that. So that's really the biggest stumbling block I run into. Yeah, and, and I definitely agree with that, Nancy. And I think also it is easier to find candidates or to place candidates in the multifamily sector because in student housing, there are so many specific skills that need to be learned, whether it's just, you know, the lease terms are different. Turn, of course. I think that's the biggest thing that multifamily managers, when they, if they make the transition to students, turn is always where they fail. There's just too many specifics in student housing that makes it a little bit more difficult to to find people. Yeah. From an internal perspective, I mean, you guys have, uh, you're mostly student housing at Cardinal, but you've got a good portion, at least out West where you're doing a lot of conventional. Right. Yeah. Both in the conventional and affordable space. And, and, you know, there's an old joke really in our industry and it's, you know, how do you compare compare those worlds. Well, a student is, uh, everybody's parent is an attorney. Uh, in conventional, everybody is an attorney. And of course, in affordable, everybody has an attorney, right? So, you know, when you think about kind of what that means in a, in a larger context, you know, the, I think the roles that exist now in all three verticals are, are fairly similar by their own nature. And really, really wholeheartedly agree here with Nancy. The expectation that we have somebody coming into a role, either on, on maintenance or into a, a manager's chair, that they have a certain level of uh, of education that would be more commensurate with called an asset manager, I, I think doesn't hold as much water anymore. Yeah. Uh, again, we're talking about a big shift in the industry over the last 
you know, five years. You know, you think about a, a leasing uh, agent today, five years ago, they were in high school, right? And they are way more sophisticated, I think, than, uh, than we give them credit for. So, you know, when you think about that division, I would argue the, the successful candidate of tomorrow isn't the one that has the pedigree of yesterday, but rather is somebody who can engage with and support and be responsible for uh, residents, you know, creating that unique living experience, because really that's the only thing across student, across conventional, across affordable, that's going to make a a community profitable is that level of attraction engagement. Yeah. We're at the top of the hour and I want to get to some comments that we've had here in the chat and kind of ask you guys specifically because we're talking about maintenance, maintenance, maintenance being the hardest ones to recruit for. Any suggestions on that specific position that or those positions on the maintenance team on site as well as, you know, from a area regional type of maintenance director. You don't have to give your secrets away, but any kind of common themes or anything that you're seeing there that might help these audience members in recruiting those folks? I was looking for a way to respond to to Greta's comments. I 1000% agree that the maintenance is the, the most underappreciated person on the property. Everything would fall apart without them, quite frankly. And I see a lot of a lot of companies offer bonuses to maintenance and while well, others don't. Some offer housing on site for maintenance and some don't. Just even those little things, you know, if you're going to offer me maybe the same salary or two or three dollars less per year, but give me a free apartment or, you know, hey, I'm working harder than anyone here. I deserve a bonus as well. I mean, there's very there's a big shift between what's going to make someone stay at their job or move on. And something else that I see also is the relationship that especially the maintenance supervisor has with their GM. If that is not a harmonious relationship, then that person is going to have a foot out the door on day one. I see that a lot, especially when there's, you know, a GM change or a management change. I don't know if you guys are seeing that as well. Yeah, I I agree completely with what Greta is saying and with what you just said, Steph. I have found that the industry is getting much better at this, but they're not considered part of the team a lot of times. And um, some people could argue that they're probably the most important part of that team. And they're getting better at that. And I think changes have to be made in the industry to really try to retain them in a lot of different ways. And I think being an integral part of the team is probably really important. Yeah, and I, I agree. We recently ran a study looking back through the last three years of every maintenance applicant that we've had for every role, looking geographically. Where are they and, and where do they move? And what we found was it was greater than 60% of our applicants currently live within 100 miles of the first job that they listed on their resume. So we know these folks aren't moving around. Right. We know that this is a very centralized role. This isn't uh, what we would see normally on, on the office sides. And, and I 1 million percent agree here with um, uh, with Greta around the importance of the role in maintenance. So, you know, when you think about what their involvement is, in the community, they save the day. They are the person that everybody on site knows. They know them by yeah. name, if not sight. You know, they probably remember the name of the person that leased them the apartment, but they know the maintenance team. And what we've done a really poor job of, and, and again, I completely agree here with the panel, is, is recognizing that as a value, right? Because if somebody renews, 
you didn't spend money on vacancy. You didn't spend money on on marketing dollars. You didn't spend money on on payroll for for leasing. So, I think the the, the missing piece here is showing an audience who we know is not going anywhere. You know, is going to stay in a market and can easily jump ship for you know fifty cents more an hour, and do uh, you know to the tune of that sixty percent that uh, we have to engage them. We have to show them that through things like obtaining a CPO certification, now they're saving the community X amount of dollars, and that gives them a leverageable position, right? Or an EPA or an e- or a CPO certification. And I think we need to show them that the overall value that they provide to the community. So I, I absolutely agree too that uh, that housing should be part of the equation. We're asking these folks to be there on site and unlocking doors at God knows when in the in the night. But we also need to enable them to be able to save that day, right? To be able to provide that level of service to residents. Whether that even just be a you know leaking um, a hot water heater that now the resident knows that they're going to have a rough day at work the next day because they had to take a shower, right? We need to be engaging with them at a level to show them their own value, which then translates into that word of mouth that exists in those markets that we know that they're not leaving. So they can go to a person who they know or somebody they're acquainted with who is going to go to work for Carrier fixing the HVAC systems and say, look, I understand that you got your uh, your certification. If you worked for a company like mine, we would have paid for it. I understand that you're making $100,000 a year, but you don't get any benefits along with it. You know, you get a truck and your name on your shirt. We need to do a better job of showing that this is a viable career path for maintenance-minded people. And then, of course, as we're trending more towards centralization and more consolidation within the industry, I would argue that the maintenance teams are going to have a much larger role, not only in retention, but also attraction to the community. So if we can show them that as the the world is contracting a bit just by nature of the business, that they have more agency in the overall success and therefore more opportunity. We had one other question here, and I know we're, we're way over, but from, from Dina, she was talking about the benefits part of it and specifically with child care and that rising cost that's also happening because of inflation. Any suggestions that you guys have that maybe you've, you guys have seen other companies do or I don't know specifically about child care, but I've seen two or three times, and maybe more than that, you know, companies are offering things like free diapers for the first, your child's first year. I'm about fell out of my chair when I saw that, like how beneficial that would be. I think 90% of of your child's or an infant's first year, the cost goes to diapers. Any little offset of costs that you could put aside for childcare or offering a maybe a monthly stipend for childcare, even if it's just, you know, a hundred dollars. I mean, you get into sticky areas where, you know, hey, I I chose not to have kids. Why does, you know, Nancy get this extra, you know, hundred dollars a month for her child and I don't get anything? Uh, but, you know, again, just even things like the free diapers, I think that's amazing. Any kind of offset of cost would would, would be a huge benefit, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I don't see a whole lot, a whole lot going on in that area with the, with the, the clients that I currently work with. A thought, though, would be, and, and I believe there is something like this. I'm not sure what the name of it is, but like an HSA a savings account through the company that comes right out of your paycheck, you contribute to it. And if you contribute to it, then the employer also kicks in a little bit. I think something like that would go a long way. And then you can pull from that money. You can pull from that account monthly to pay your childcare bills or at least support it. Maybe companies can think about something like that. 
Yeah, and, and one other just small comment, I think from an HR perspective for a long time, really until quarantine, and we were really forced to look at it, uh, companies have avoided in general, they don't want to know if you have kids, how many kids you have, the legalities around it. But also, you know, unfortunately, a lot of people think, great, how much work are you going to miss because you have kids? And Nick doesn't have kids. So we want to hire Nick. I think the more we break down the barriers and of having kids in general, you know, our employees are parents. We we need to acknowledge that. It's always kind of been a big elephant in the room. And if we can just get rid of that thinking in general, then I think that goes a long way as well. Yeah. Normalize the conversation that it's okay to have a family. Absolutely. You know, that it is okay to be a human being within our industry. And if you really look at what we do, we're not selling cars where people come back for a warranty claim. We live in people's families. We become part of their families. So why aren't we able to feel comfortable about having our own? So trends that I've seen that have been hugely successful. One was uh, the, the flexible spending account. Uh, I think that's a wise move, uh, especially pre-tax dollars. But, you know, really also uh, looking at flex time around parental leave, not just a here's your maternity paternity, but yeah, here's uh, the bank of days or the bank of times. Use it as you wish right, to be able to pivot around what you need to accomplish. But I also think partnerships through uh, organizations like care.com or, or Carrot, you know, these institutions that have now been set up to service working people within the world to be able to provide them relief, whether that's temporary care, whether that's family planning, right? We, we need to be able to normalize this conversation in a meaningful way and then put the resources behind it. And I love that point about is it okay to leave my job for, for three months? Am I going to be gone afterwards? We need to ensure that, that anyone in this industry who's charged with taking care of other people is in a position to come to work each day unencumbered by worrying about uh, the people that they care about in themselves. So okay. a lot of room in here to do it. And I'm, I'm looking forward, I think, to uh, what legislation looks like over the next coming uh -huh. years, knowing that a, a large generation is quote unquote, coming to age and, and, and having kids and working entering the workforce. But I would anticipate a lot of that level of retention is going to be around enabling people in our industry to be able to have that life goal checked of, of having kids, creating a family. Great. Guys, we needed to do another podcast on it because there's a lot of things I'd love to deep dive into that. So maybe we can put something together, but in the time uh, that we've already gone over those of our audience members that stayed on this extra 13 minutes. Thanks so much. Uh, <laughs> but guys, thanks again. I, I look forward to, uh, to having you guys on here. I'll make sure on the repost that we put each of your email addresses there. So if anybody's got any specific questions for you, they can ask it there. So thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you guys. Well, again, thanks to Nancy and Stephanie and Nick for giving them their time to, to have that conversation at Shop Talk. Really quick before we talk about some of those things, Shop Talk, if you're listening to this before February 9th, that is when our next Shop Talk is. February 9th at 1 p.m. You can get more information 
and that's 1 p.m. Eastern. You can get more information at shoptalk.info and you can register to receive the calendar invites and all that good stuff. But we've got a really good one coming up for February 9th. We're actually discussing DEI. And we've got a really fantastic author that's going to be part of that panel. He actually wrote the book, Diversity and Inclusion Matters. Jason Thompson, he's part of the group over at Cape Inclusion, which is somebody that that Sly Brandon kind of tuned me into. And just got off a phone call with him, you know, an hour or so ago. And I'm really excited about some of the data and things that he's able to give to us in regards to this topic. He actually handled diversity inclusion for the Olympics, which, you know, is pretty crazy. Which is amazing. And as I understand it, you were actually reading his book. Uh, Do audiobooks count as reading? Um, they absolutely do, actually. <laughs> and I will fight anyone who disagrees with that because I've made this case to multiple people. A consumption of information of knowledge is consumption. And I am grateful that audiobooks exist for all of those that do not have time or do not enjoy reading. And I'm grateful. So yes, you're consuming it. It's like you're eating it. So yes, whatever. You're consuming it. I've got four kids. So the only way I'm going to get through a book, I mean, I've got this up on my computer right now. I'm nine minutes and 29 seconds into it. It's a, I've got seven hours and 14 minutes left of listening to it. And the person that's reading this is reading. I mean, I I read as slow as I talk. So (laughs) So you never would have made it through an anything. Yeah, it would have taken it. It would have taken me the rest of this week to get through it. So you feel like that's a bold statement, sir. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, I appreciate that. I'm just here to be honest with you. And that's all I ask. That's all I ask, even when it hurts. Just be honest. Um, But no, please, uh, you know, if you're definitely, if you are on your DEI committee or council or task force or whatever for your company, make sure you are tied into this because some of the things Jason was just telling me in our preliminary interview, it was the data that his company is able to collect and how he's able to translate that into, okay, what does this actually mean for your hiring process, right? And for the interview process, it was really, really crazy. And some of the things that we're doing that we think is the right thing to do are not the right thing at all. And he's got some really good reasons to for backing that up. So I'm so excited. Yeah, because when he said it, and I was like, oh, this company's doing that, that company's doing that, that, oh, oh. we need to change. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, oh, excited. Intrigued. Okay. Yeah, excited about that. But, yeah, again, big thanks to, to Stephanie and Nancy and Nick. If you've got any questions for them, we'll make sure that we put their their LinkedIn link in the show notes and you can reach out to them there. But, you know, one thing I did want to just kind of talk with you a little bit about was what they mentioned in regards to in regards to benefits, Uh, because I I kind of felt like that was something, you know, you and I've had some experience with 
when it comes to what's great about what you and I do is we hear from all the employees Mm -hmm. uh, things that they, you know, aren't going to say to their employer or don't feel comfortable saying to their employer. So, you know, I kind of take this as an opportunity to say, Hey, this is what your employees are talking about. (laughs) I think that's why when people feel like, you know, we have these opinions or when we get passionate about something, it's like, well, it's because of the fact that since we, when we're only contracted or we're consulting or something like that, it's, there's a level of comfort that people have to be really brutally honest. And we hear a lot, I think the same as, you know, a recruiter does. Yeah. And, but there's just like this level of honesty and just hearing a lot at this point. And it's been going on for what six years now of information. And the main thing that I'm hearing that I wanted to share was don't be afraid of being creative. I know some of the larger companies in our space, it's hard to, when it comes to benefits, you know, there's simple things that folks won't. It's not, you know, that will change their life. And it's not, it's not money. You know, it's not necessarily health insurance. It's not necessarily pet insurance. It's not necessarily, you know, all these things that, you know, people are, the companies are coming up with, sometimes it's just a mentor program. Sometimes it's, you know, hey, I would like to have, uh, you know, a half day on Wednesday so that I can go do this for my kid three months out of the year or six months out of the year, 10 months out of the year, whatever. And what I'm hearing back from folks is if they had just allowed this, I would have been fine or I really need this. This is something I'm really struggling with. And it's just those little things that doesn't even take corporate approval. It's really just a a regional manager or some supervisor saying, yeah, go take care of that. I'll, you know, I'll explain things or whatever. It's really true, though. It doesn't always everything doesn't always have to cost money when we're talking about really tight margins and you know, I know that you and I are familiar with that. I remember the first time that you and I had that conversation and it's the money isn't always there. And so, you know, the salaries can't always be expanded and the benefits as far as medical can't always be expanded either. And so when looking to be competitive, it really can be on the days that the variance reports are due or on those days when, you know, it's all the reports are due, then yeah, you can go work in a quiet space where you don't have to be in the office. Or if the event or in the event that we are doing leasing tours that are more virtual, finding a way of cutting payroll means that you have one week a month or however it works where it's four day work weeks. And I've said this to you in a different conversation where if I would have had that, especially when I was a leasing consultant or a leasing manager in Indiana, I probably never would have left because that would have given me three days because I had Tuesdays and Saturdays off. And I was just talking about this a couple of weeks ago. Every Tuesday you found me, I drove two hours home to go see my grams and my aunt Mary and two hours back every single one of my days off so that I could be back at work the next day because those two ladies were my best friends in the entire world. And that's what I did. But if I would have had three days off in a row, I would have spent the whole weekend there because I was not cool enough to have other friends like, but it was them, you know? And it's like, I never would have left because that would have been my selling points. Yeah. Yeah. No. Those little things that would save money in the payroll budget and then also gives people something that's beyond value that just sorry, that just kind of touched my feels a little bit because I was thinking about my grams. But <laughs> it's a big deal to some people how you can make such a difference in their world and in their lives. And that also 
you know, can help with daycare costs or childcare costs or just give people some peace of mind. We're also going with some of the trends that you've seen at other companies where you really are leaving people alone after hours and having those, we're not going to bug you after the office closes. Yeah. Yeah. Like that. But I, you know, I love that. And I love that you said that for the five people that are potentially still listening at this point. Yeah. And and for those five people, I would really encourage you to, to reach out to the W collective on LinkedIn. We'll put a link for that in there as well. I think they're coming out with a website here pretty soon, but that's what they said. Yeah. And of course we just had, Erica White and Whitney Kidd on a recent podcast. You can go back and look at that where they're kind of outlining everything that's happening with, with W Collective. But they really, this past year, have been kind of on the forefront of making sure that the companies know that, yeah, especially for women, but I think parents in general, yeah. you know, what it is that they're needing to see uh, these companies step up and either provide in a benefit or they've been little badasses about this. Like um, they've been incredible. Yeah. The one of the things that I thought, I can't remember if this came up this past year or if they had it before, but I believe it's peak that's doing the whole diaper thing. Oh my gosh. Where they're providing diapers. For, I mean, look, I've got four kids, you know, how huge that would have so been. Expensive. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and, and, you know, and it's somewhat just of a, I don't know, I guess we can ask Bob or Casey sometime how much that actually (laughs) costs them. But, uh, you know, that seems like a really simple thing that people can do that is a huge relief to a parent. Yeah, because, you know, you might be able to work with a company to be able to get some kind of a discount or, you know, however it may work. But yeah, that was, that's huge. Yeah. So big, big ups to peak for such a, and it's a really original perk too. Yeah. Yeah. And not just to leave it at, you know, with parents, I think what a lot of the stuff, especially like the pet insurance, like before I got married, like my dog was everything. Yeah. And for a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, that, that's something that, uh, what I'm seeing companies come up now with, you know, offering pet insurance and I believe it's Cardinal was offering, what was it like several weeks that you're, I don't know if you get time off or you're just able to work from home or whatever, but you know, to basically, you know, welcome your pet home and kind of, you know, break them into the surroundings and you know what the schedule is going to be and all that kind of stuff. It saves a lot of money on carpet cleaning too. Yeah. <laughs> That was not going where I thought it was going. I did not know where you were still talking about a pet, which it was because you were talking about Cardinal that I think would be a really huge one for anyone to, again, all, all five people still here to consider is, you know, a lot of people, a lot of companies, and usually it's just kind of con- or automatically included is a lot of people don't think about with fostering or with adoptive that the most important time that you actually need some level of time is not at the end when the adoption is finalized. And that's actually when that kicks in. And by that time, and this is a lot of people don't know, this is not something that I share. I'm going to share this at this point for the five people is that I have been in the process of bringing one of my family members home. And that started a couple of years ago now. And the time that you actually need that is not when the adoption's done. You need it when they first get to your house, because that child, they need time with you 
for adjustment. They need your focus. They need you to not be working 12, 13 hour days because they can be scared and they need love and they need attention. And for someone to know that and to recognize that and to be patient with you and to care enough to give that to you and your family and that little human who needs that more than ever and is going to eventually grow up and be a functional member of this society, that is one of the greatest things that you can possibly give to a team. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, I think of some folks in, in the industry who have adopted over the past several years and they've adopted babies, you know, Yeah. I think the situation you're having is may even be more common where there's the child's lost both of his parents. Right. And that's, I, I've had my own friends that have been in that situation that were lost both of their parents and then were adopted by an aunt or an uncle and the time that they needed just for the, the adjustment and everything, it's, it's immense and it's not easy on anyone <laughs> um, that's, that's involved in the situation. It is, it's something that I hope employers are very cognitive of and, and are allowing those employees to, take as much time as they need yeah because that's that's that is a big adopting any child is a huge a huge thing for our society i I think is what i'm trying to say and that's probably the most important thing you can do for society and that is um we need to give folks the time that they need for that anyway anything else (laughs) No, I, I think that we are good and have covered so many things. <laughs> personal information that I normally never share. But, you know, like I said, there's like nobody listening, so it's fine. <laughs> well, hopefully uh, you sharing that is, uh, it means something to somebody else out there. So That's really, honestly, if it does, and if it makes a difference for anyone, then it's worthwhile. So, yeah. Well, guys, thank you so much for tuning in to this Student Housing Insight podcast. Again, if you want to find out more information on us, you can go to studenthousinginsight.com. Please, 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 if you have any interest at all in joining our monthly webinar, please go to shoptalk.info to register for that. And we'll see you soon. Bye.